I, I mean, I was just like, I couldn't understand it. Then all of a sudden it clicked in my spirit. Pray, pray against the demon. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, if there's a spirit that's on me that's causing this, I command you to leave. And all of a sudden I felt better. It was gone. Because these things are very real. Very real. Hey guys, this is Brian. And I'm Tony. And this is the Crucial Conversation Podcast. Tony, it is good to see you tonight, not in your FedEx uniform. Most... (laughs) Most of the times whenever we get together and we're doing podcasts for our listeners, Tony's user just getting off work, and he's usually wearing his FedEx uniform, and tonight he looks nice because we just got out of a church service, and it was a powerful move of God that we had in tonight's service. Brian, Brian, don't hate on my FedEx uniform. It's because I'm always delivering a good podcast. He is always delivering (laughs) a good podcast. I was trying to segue into something spiritual, though, and talking about church, but that's fine. Tonight, we have a very special guest that was instrumental in the service tonight, prayed with many people on the altars, as he normally does. Uh, for those of you who do not know him, his name is Brother David Ayton, and we're going to let him give you a brief uh, introduction to who he is, where he's from. Hello, everyone. I'm David Ayton, and it's good to be on here tonight. I am originally from Union City, Tennessee, and I... Uh, Moved here to Jonesboro about a year and a half ago, and I'm just loving life. God's good. So, Brother Aiton, what made you come to Jonesboro from Tennessee? Well, to be quite honest with you, the Lord, he, uh, I, the company I was working for, we had a series of layoffs in 2017, and uh, I was offered a job on the way out of the... Uh, uh, HR office, and I got a back step just a bit. It was uh, a few weeks before that. I had all of a sudden uh, looked on my Facebook and said that I am now friends with Daryl Runyon, and I saw that uh, he was pastor of Pentecostals of Jonesboro, and uh, and so I was kind of keeping my eye on him, and. Uh, just a few days before I was hit with that layoff, I'd gone on to the website and I was looking at the staff and and I was seeing the pictures, some of the names. And so when the layoff hit and I come out of the HR office, I was given a paper from Trinity Rail here in Jonesboro and when I walk out to my truck, I look down at that paper and I see the name Shelley Runyon. And I thought, there may be something to this. And uh, so I, I, I was just talking my, with my pastor, uh, knowing that this was a transition in life. And he was honestly... For those who don't know, uh, Shelley Runyon is, of course, our pastor's wife. Thank you there, brother. But yeah, um, I was talking with my pastor, and and he was like, "Well, you you know, uh, we we can set you up with places that are that don't have a pastor at the moment. You can start looking for churches, and and that was 
what my pastor was willing to do in Tennessee. But there was a few days later, of course, I was laid off and I was in prayer. And the Spirit of the Lord came to me and the gift of tongues. And, of course, I'm the only one there. And, he gave, and I was given the interpretation that I was told to take the job. And so that's exactly what I did. I, I talked to them and let them know that I was interested in taking the job. And so, long story short, the reason why I came was because the Spirit of the Lord told me to come. Mm. I was reading recently in a book uh, that talked about uh, how men have a desire in them. The book was entitled uh, Love and Respect. And in the book, it talks about men having the desire in them for conquest. And what it means is not like men taking over different places, but how they have, uh, it it ends up getting to the point that their job is so important to them. Uh, Brother Aiden, whenever you were in this meeting at the HR department and they told you that these jobs are being laid off, what was your emotional state whenever they told you that this job was over? Well, to be quite honest with you, I left and I. it was a low point there for me as I was driving off. I, as, as a man, as a husband, as a father, I, I want to provide for my family. And I felt like that I was now put in a position where I was not going to be able to provide for my family like I'd had done in previous years and so there was a momentary battle of of depression at the time to be honest so um you have two children a wife a you're committed full-time to ministry you're committed full-time to trinity rail your whole world just kind of shook up all at one time yes yes it did um yeah my whole world changed just like that. And you you operate in, you and your wife both, operate in the gifts of the Spirit so much here at our local assembly. Um, was there ever a time while you were transitioning from Tennessee to Jonesboro that you almost, I, I know you said that you were, you received your answer through tongues and interpretation, but was there ever a time where once you got here, you're like, what are we doing here? I, I, this just doesn't feel like what God had promised me. Well, I can't say that it was like that exactly. Uh, there there were times, have been times, where, um, where there's been some frustrating moments. And, and yes, I thought, this is totally different than what I was expecting. And uh, especially in regards to to my family, um, to my daughter, I, uh, I um, battled some with her because I wanted, not with her, she didn't bucket or anything like that, but I just, I wanted her to be strongly connected. And there were times, there have been times where I felt like that, you know, that that connection was missing. And so with that, in all honesty, 
I, I struggled with that. But in regards to what I heard from God, I knew from the moment that I'd received that, that God had told me to come here and that I was in the will of God. And, uh, and so that's where I stand on that. Again, nothing's perfect. Nothing ever, ever will be, but uh, I believe wholeheartedly that I'm in the will of God being here. Brother Aiden, uh, we have, we've all went through the trial of losing our job. Um, can you speak on that a little bit, how you had to tell your wife and explain to her and give her peace knowing that you'd heard from God. Tony, you, have you experienced this? I have. Because this, yes. this is news to me. Yeah. Uh, so for me, it's not necessarily that I, I was blindsided by it. Um, but whenever I very first moved to Jonesboro, I, um, I worked at a car dealership. And then after that car dealership, um, I had a friend that opened up a business and uh, I worked for him a short period of time, and they were growing uh, at a pace where they couldn't they couldn't can really contain or had their hands in everything, as I should say. And um, I had a little bit of a disagreement; uh, didn't see eye to eye. Uh, and uh, Pastor actually came to that to that place of employment at one time, and he he said, "Tony, I need you to go with me. I need to have lunch with you." And uh, me and him just recently talked about this not too long ago. Um, but he came and picked me up, and he knew while I was at that job that I was struggling spiritually, and uh, I wasn't faithfully paying my tithe. I wasn't faithfully attending church. Uh, I was uh, I was just starting to starting to cool off as a as a term I could use, and um, ever since it was almost like a mutual agreement, but. I still had to explain to my wife, you know, I have lost this job. God will provide. But it's still a very difficult and sensitive place to be, especially when you're providing for a family, Brother Aiden. It is. It's very difficult. How did you explain to your wife that, yes, I'm being laid off, but have peace? Know that God has spoke to me. How did you explain that to her? Did she receive it? Well, when I first told it to her, I don't guess I used the greatest of wisdom. I went and picked her up in a neighboring town. I think she was getting some clothes or something. And I just, the only way I knew to do it at that time, because this was going to be major. This is where she was raised. Yeah, this you is, uprooted your whole family. Yeah, exactly. This is where she was raised. This is the church that we attended is the church that she was that she spent her teenage years in and and all the way up, you know, to her age she is now. And, you know, this was going to be difficult. And basically I didn't handle it as wise as I, I could have. And I was just blunt. And I said, look, babe, I just heard from God. We're going to Jonesboro. And I just, I didn't really know how to say it, but just to say it. And it was not easy. Um, you know, but I just, I do want to say how much I do appreciate her willing to sacrifice and go with me and, and, and follow my lead 
because that could be difficult. Yeah, oh yeah, oh yeah. Again, this is where her parents live. This is where the uh, her total uh, spiritual support system is at. Uh, she had a job that was a very good one uh, that she was comfortable with, comfortable with the people. And uh, so I do thank God that my wife was willing to do that. What, what drew you guys to the POJ? Well, first of all, because I had somehow become friends with Pastor Darrell Runyon, and I'd looked at that website. It was the first church that uh, I'd come to. And so uh, I told, told my family we were going to go here. But because I was trying to be sensitive about the whole issue and trying not to just totally dictate every move, I, was, I told her that we would go here and try this out, but we could try other churches and things of that nature. And so I tried, we tried this church out, and um, we had planned to try some neighboring churches out, but my family was having to be in Tennessee while I was here I remember in that. Arkansas I remember that. for a little while. And after leaving on a Wednesday night, I said, God, I feel so strongly that this is where you're wanting my family. If this is so, if I'm if I'm not hearing your voice, you need to let me. But God, if I am, hmm. and this is you, I need you to speak to my wife. And so that weekend they came in, and we were getting ready for church, thought we were going to the neighboring church, and my wife came into the living room and looked at me. She said, she said, David, you want to just go on back to the POJ today? She said, the other day, I was just, I forgot what she said she was doing, but she said this overwhelming sense came over me and said that this, that POJ is where you need to be. And so I thank the Lord. He answered my prayer. He, he talked to my wife at that crucial time. So. so you and your wife have very, very quickly, rapidly become a vital part of the POJ. And um, for you all who don't know, Brother Aiton is uh, one of our Sunday school teachers, him and Brother Harkin that you heard earlier on a podcast. They rotate, um, not rotate, but they switch times uh, um, teaching Sunday school. Brother Aiton is a dynamic preacher, uh, preaches at our church quite often. And you're also involved in um, first-time visitors, Yes. Um, I mean, you do a tremendous job here at the POJ. However, we I want to go back just a little bit. Um, I, I want you to tell us how you originally got started in the church. You've not been in church your whole life, have you? I have not. I, I would love to hear that story. Okay. Well, as a small child, I went. I went to church, um, but in my early teenage life, my uh, my family got out of church. Not all of them, but you know, um, my mom, our home, just we didn't, we didn't go to church. And um, in the process of all of that, 
I developed a, an alcohol habit, developed a cocaine habit, and just a, a plethora of drugs. And, and so for several years, I was bound by these things. I lived, uh, if I had a place to live, it was either at a friend's house that would let me stay just for a little bit, or um, there was this this hotel that was, or really when a hotel is a motel, that was very, very old, and you could wheel and deal with the lady for just a few dollars, and you could have a little place to stay. And I did that uh, off and on for some years. And I remember from time to time going into my grandmother's house. Back then, it was a small town. We, uh, we didn't lock the door, so I could just walk in. And my grandmother, she was hard of hearing, and there were times I walked in, and I heard her praying for me. And I can remember that. But there, there came a time when I was on a back road. I can't remember exactly if I was drunk or high at the time. More than likely, I was because I stayed drunk, stayed high. It was like an impression came over me, said that you're, you're going to go to church tomorrow. It was a Saturday. And so I was like, okay, all right. And so I went to church, and, and I come in, and I sit on the back pew, and and there was like a presence that came over me and told me when the preacher was done praying, I was going to go to the altar. And so I did. And when I went down to the altar, I lifted my hands. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. Uh, the next thing I knew, I was in the, in the floor with my head underneath the altar, speaking with other tongues. God took the cocaine habit. He took the alcohol habit. He took the other drugs. Instantaneously? Yes, he took... He took that instantaneously. Now, I will say this. When it comes to the nicotine, I left that night wanting wanting to smoke. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. And, and I went to work the next day. And I remember battling at first break, wanting a cigarette. And I was like, no, I'm not going to do it. And come second break at 10 o'clock, I, I stomped my foot down. I said, I'm not going to do this. And when I did that, God took it then. Mm. He took it then uh, from me. And the rest is history. So, Brother Aiden, you are, uh, to say the least, Brian, can you can agree with me. I know you can. You are an intercessor uh, like none I've ever seen before. Um, how I want you to encourage somebody right here. How do you go from being an addicted to some of the most strong drugs to where you're at right now? To the, to the person that's struggling with these addictions right now, give them a word of encouragement. Well, I would say, first of all, that God took it from me. It was totally the power of God. And I want to encourage whoever that God can and will do that for you too. There may be a moment just like with the, 
the nicotine where you have to stomp your foot down and and say no like I did but the power of God is very real to deliver I also I want to encourage as well that uh, in this process he, he took it from me automatically but there was something else that I had to do and that was the church became my life my, my, my social network changed I stopped hanging out with them people they even there was a couple of them that got upset and I just you know I hated that that happened but I knew that if I hung out with them that I was going to go right back so my my social network changed the church became my life and the Bible says uh, in Acts 2 that with many other words, he testified and exhorted, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And there had to be a time where I saved myself, so to speak, where I was just around church folks. And I was doing, I was virtually doing no ministry at that time. I was just uh, making the people of God my people. You know, his house was where I was at. And, and I, and I encourage everyone that is wanting to come off of that, come out of that lifestyle, that you come to church, you make it your place. You don't go back to hanging out with the old friends, and you just keep on coming, and God will do for you what he done for me. So I just want to clarify something right here. Um, Brian and I, well, I can't speak for Brian if you have cut me off right here. Brian and I have not went to every single person that we have talked to that has come on these podcasts and said, hey, I want you to make it a point to tell them to come to church. But Brother Aiton, what you have just said, multiple guests that we have had prior to you have always says, connect yourself to a church. Connect yes. yourself to a man of God. I want you to tell them the, talk about the importance of connecting yourself to a godly man and to a godly church. Well, it's... It's of utmost importance. Um, that's God set the church up for this. Um, when the church is a family, and when you come into the kingdom of God, you come into the family of God. And you need, everyone needs people that that have this same mindset that want to please God. We might not have everything in common. We come from different backgrounds, you know, different personalities and all that. But ultimately, we have the same goal in mind, and that is to please God. I want to encourage you to, to connect with the church. I want to encourage you to connect with the leadership. My pastor hung the moon in my eyes. I, I depended on him. I needed him and, and, and other people that were leaders at that church. My youth pastor, he, he hung the moon to me and, and I depended on them and they were, and they said things to me and, and my, I, and I will tell you, I'll be the first to tell you that anytime I didn't do what they said, I regretted it. 
Brother Aiden, I want to tell you a story real quick. You may or may not remember this. Um, but when you first moved here, um, you we had a service here at the POJ, and uh, it was a quite powerful service. And I felt of God to be led to go and pray for my pastor, but not pray for him in a sense of God give him direction, blah, blah, blah. You know how most men do whenever they're praying for their pastor. I felt it upon me to get on my hands and knees and place my hands on his feet and pray over his feet and make sure that God knew that I was praying for him to stay steadfast in what he was preaching, to be rooted in the gospel. And I just felt such burdened to do something like that. And after that had happened, you came up to me and you said, God's going to honor you for what you just did. You know, I I took that with a grain of salt. You know, I just felt like I was led to do something, so I did it. It was the very, very, very next day that my boss at FedEx came up to me and said, hey, um, I want to give you this promotion. It comes with this pay raise. You're going to be supervisor over this many people. It's yours if you want it. Now, there was guys that had been at FedEx quite a bit longer than I have at that time, mm-hmm. and... I even asked, well, what about so-and-so? I, don't, I just don't want no riff mm-hmm. coming out of this. And they're like, no, 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 I, I felt to give this to you. And I, I strongly believe it's because of what you had told me. Have you ever been, have you ever been felt like God has told you to tell something to somebody or to prophesy to somebody that you are too scared to do that because you are afraid of the outcome? Yes, yes. Um, to be quite honest with you, uh, when God was trying to uh, anoint me and use me, these gifts in the beginning, um, fear would come over me. I'll never forget that in a very short period of time, there were three times that I was put in a very uh, uncomfortable situation. It was uncomfortable for my flesh. That is, that God, you know, let me know that He wanted me to be used in gifts right then, right there, and I stopped. I stopped it, and but I was I was still wanting to be used by God. I wanted Him to help me to overcome this. Well, shortly thereafter. Um, it was after a service, and uh, the service was over with, and me and my former pastor and his wife, youth pastor and his wife, uh, and a very uh, special lady to me and my wife. She was back there. The power of God fell, and then God used that woman in all three gifts, the way I was supposed to have been operated them in, to show me that this is what it's like Ooh. when someone obeys and does what I My said. God. Yeah, it was a it was it was quite an experience for me. Was that like your wake up into ministry to being used in the gifts? Yeah, yes, it was um it was a uh, critical point for for uh, other gifts that God was anointing me with. There had been years gone by and this same lady 
when I was feeling like God was wanting to use me in, in tongues. I didn't know about interpretation of tongues at that time, but I felt like God was wanting to give me, uh, for me to be using the gift of tongues, and she was the one that I con consulted. And at the end of a 13-day uh, fast where I fasted 24 hours, fasted to the evening meal, then my wife would fast to the evening meal, but and that way we set it up to where we had the evening meal together. At the end of those 13 days, God gave me and used me in those gifts for the first time. So I'd been used in those in times past, but these other gifts that God was wanting me to use, yes, that was that was the wake-up call. That was the, uh, the understanding that God was wanting to use me, and I needed to just step out and obey God. And, and get over my flesh because if I would obey God, God would bless me. God would honor that. Yes, he would. He would honor it, and he would use me more. Brother Aiden, what does your wife and your ministry mean to you? She is crucial. Um, she is outside of... God himself, she is the most important uh, aspect of it. She, um, her prayer for me, her desire to honor God, uh, she, is, she is a strong complement to, the, to the, our ministry. And I just thank God for it. She, she has prayed for me when I needed it, and I just didn't tell her about it. She has prayed for me and given me strength. She's given me encouragement at low times, and I, I just thank the world of her. I just thank the world of her. So. Can we go back for just a moment? Um, because I want to kind of focus in, if you would, for just a moment on spiritual giftings. Uh, for those that may not be as familiar with these gifts, I want to talk talk about them for a moment. Um, where we get some of the the scriptures from about the spiritual gifting is, of course, in First Corinthians chapter number twelve, and there in those first few verses, and it talks about the diversity of nine different spiritual gifts. And I like to ask Brother Aiton, as a person who has operated in many giftings, uh, what do you? Uh, how, how do you define the operations of some, these spiritual gifts? Um, how can someone, and this is, uh, again, we're opening up a big discussion here because I'm asking you three questions in one. One, I'm wondering, I want you to describe what these giftings are, how a person can be used in those giftings. But before you get there, there are some that may be listening that say, well, that reference he's making in 1 Corinthians 12 is no longer even valid for the church day to day. And, and I'd like for you to address these three things. Number one, are the spiritual giftings, should they still operate in the church? Do they still operate in the church? What are these giftings and how can someone be used in them? Okay. First of all, yes, they should be. Um, 1 Corinthians 1, when Paul is uh, kind of warming them up for what he's about to talk about, he says, I pray that you come behind in no gift until the day of Jesus Christ. And uh, he said that because he was going to be talking about, if you read that portion there, he's talking, he's kind of uh, bringing up some of the stuff that he's going to be talking about later on in the letter. And so 
right there, these gifts, he says that he don't want you to come behind in any of them, even unto the day of Jesus Christ, which, of course, that would be his second coming. So, yes, the gifts of the Spirit are for the church today. Um, now, as far as what the gifts are, we have the gift of tongues, interpretation of tongues. What that is, is that God will take a spirit-filled person, uh, and that is a prerequisite for this. A person must be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Um, and what will happen is, is that God will have you to speak in a tongue, and it's, and it's different from the tongues that you speak when you first receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and it's different from the tongues that you speak when, you're, when you yourself, your spirit is being edified. And, and Paul mentions some of that in chapter 14. But this here will become a message that then the interpretation is a gift that is given where that person receives the message from God and they speak it before the church. Um, there is the gift of faith. That is the gift where God gives you supernatural faith to believe for situations and things, and those things can uh, be given to the church. Uh, when a person operates in the gift of faith, it's like faith can come over a church body and, and signs and wonders can happen. There's the gifts of healing. Um, and this here, you notice it says gifts, and it just doesn't say the gift of healing. And um, there is some uh, debate about what that means. I personally, I see it that it uh, means that there can be uh, gifts where a person operates in the healing of things more than that uh, more than he would in some like there are some people that man it's just like spot on if if you're dealing with a migraine that person has the gift of healing and is used mightily for that well hey, let me stop you right there and ask you something <clears throat> does that almost come to a point where people think that it is them that has that gifting or it comes from a higher power because um, I know a certain ministers in that are blessed with that gifting. We as people who are not gifted in that blessing hold that person to such a high standard. Um, so I guess my question to you would be if you're gift if you're gifted in that, how do you make sure that you keep a right spirit about that? Okay, well, that's going to be the utmost importance as God was putting it in my spirit to begin to seek after these things because the Bible says there to desire earnestly the best gifts. There's nothing wrong with seeking God about it. But um, as I began to pray for this, God took me on a journey about motives and the purification of of motives because um, you have to have a love for God's people, a love to see 
his body edified and uh, love to see God glorified amongst his body. And, and so this is something that should be prayed about every day. And uh, so for me, that's something that you seek God about every day. I will say this. I had this happen to me. There was, I was at church, and there was a lady in a wheelchair, and she had suffered from many illnesses. And I remember praying for her and the Spirit of the Lord letting me know that he had healed her and that she was taken care of. And I went over to the other side of the church. I was praying for somebody else, and I looked over there, and there was somebody praying for her. Well, I forgot all about that till the next week. Well, that lady comes in. She's healed. She's out of that wheelchair that she had been in for years. The uh, she's off her medications. Everything. I mean, she's just she's just healed, and Praise she's God. standing up, uh, glorifying God. And she said, "Yes, when that brother." And she named the name of the person that I saw lay hands on Mm -hmm. her when God had already told me that he was healing her. Well, all of a sudden, a sting came into my spirit. And then God began to deal with me. Why is it that you want to be used in these things, in these gifts? Are you wanting to make a name for yourself? Are you wanting to get glory for yourself? And so God had to work on me. Mm. And, and, and he, had to, he had to put a love in me for the people of God that I found out the hard way just wasn't there yet. And so, yes, it's of the utmost importance. Anyone can be used in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, the answer to that other question that was asked was the pathway to it is going to be prayer and fasting. If a person will give themselves daily to prayer, if a person would set aside one day a week to fasting, these things, and staying in the Word, these, it's these things and the consistency of these things that is the pathway into the gifts of the Spirit. Yeah. Um, the spiritual giftings with me, I, I've uh, recently... Uh, not this the most recently, but a while back we did a Bible study here in our church of people that were from another denomination that didn't necessarily believe in, in the spiritual giftings. They believed that they had ceased. Uh, to people that that may say that, that these things have ceased, I challenge you to come to one of our churches. Yeah. yeah. I challenge you to come and feel it whenever it's real, whenever... Because it just has such a unique feeling whenever things like the tongue, gift of tongues and interpretation goes forth and how it can ju- it just changes the entire spiritual climate of the room. Yes. If you go back and you listen to one of our previous podcasts with Brother Brock Runyon, he tells a story about a man in our church that overheard David Ayton's wife ta- speaking in tongues in in the lead-up to an interpretation, and he told Brock, he was like, what that lady did. How I just got chills all over me. And that's the thing that kind of led him into uh, taking that step to be refilled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. Or at least he, he, he may have been refilled, may have got it for the first time. He doesn't remember as a kid whether or not he had it or not. But these giftings are so powerful. And, um, and, and there's so many, there, there is some different 
opinions over some of these giftings and how some are reused. Uh, kind of how I see many of these giftings is, as I see, of course, there's nine giftings. I see them in, in three different categories. Would you agree? Yes. That they would be like the knowing gifts, the doing gifts, and uh, the uh, speaking gifts. Yes. You know, it's interesting that there are three levels of human understanding. That the, thir- the, the, the levels, there's human understanding and it has three levels in it. The base level of human understanding is the opinion level. Every, anybody can have an opinion about anything. Mm-hmm. The next level is the knowledge level. And so let's take a practical example. Uh, the doctor, and now this is a long lead up in how I kind of viewed the spiritual gifts. Uh, the doctor at the clinic, before he ever becomes a doctor, he goes through medical school. But when he graduates medical school, what does he not do? He doesn't immediately start his own practice. Mm. What does he do? He goes through clinicals. Mm -hmm. And what's that for? It's to give him the experience. So the three levels of human understanding is first the opinion. Anybody can watch a doctor show and tell how to heal somebody or cure somebody from some ailment. Then there's the knowledge phase, which a doctor goes through and he gains knowledge. And then there's the experience phase. And so there's three... Levels, And I see it even in those spiritual giftings. There's three different spiritual gifting categories. And I even see within them there are three different levels. Like, for instance, in the knowing gifts, the first level would be like the, the gift of, of uh, in my opinion, would be like the gift of spiritual discernment. You just know the, right, the difference between right and wrong, that's a right. supernatural knowing right from wrong. That's right. I mean, that's the base level of understanding. A, a spiritual understanding is I know somebody's operating under a weird spirit, or I know they're operating under the, a good spirit. Mm-hmm. And then there's a gift of knowledge. And the gift of knowledge is to know what to do in a given situation. Yes. I mean, that's the next level to, okay, I know right from wrong, but I know more than that. I know what to do. That's yeah. the gift of knowledge. And then the top level of the, un, of the knowledge gifts is wisdom. Mm-hmm. I know right from wrong. I know what to do. And I know when to do it. Yes. It's wisdom. And so I think that all these gifts... And when you and I could, we could go through and look at the other two categories of spiritual giftings. But I believe they all build on one another. Yes. I mean, I, again, it goes like even with the speaking gifts. How you've got the gift of tongues, that's a powerful gift. But without it, you have to ha- that is incomplete without the next level, which is the interpretation yes. of the tongue. And then the top level is prophecy. Yes. Not only do you are you able to get the attention of the church in the gift of tongues, and then somebody delivers an interpretation of it, but then there's prophecy that knows how to guide the church mm-hmm. and speak what they should do. And, and I think that that, that is so cra- incredible yes. how all these things work together. And that's the reason why, and it brings me to this point, and why I think it's so valid for the church today, is I think that each level of these spiritual giftings are critical to revival, to spiritual deliverance in a church, to know where to go, what to do, the spirits people operate under. And I think that Paul said it best, I believe it was Paul that said, to covet the best gifts. That's right. And I think that we should pursue in those categories of spiritual giftings that top priority, the, the gift that is so far up there because the higher you go up the spiritual gifting ladder, the closer you get to a, a powerful, supernatural, undeniable gifting from God that's purpose is not, like Brother Aiden said, to make you look good. 
but to bring a spirit of revival and deliverance in a congregation. Yes. Do you agree, Tony? Oh, my word. Man, that was powerful. I want to ask you guys both something. Can a church operate effectively without using the gifts? I I don't think it can. I think that, uh, again, I'm not the one... The, the, because let me, I'm let not me the main one you want the answer from, but in my opinion, no, I don't well, believe Brian, you can. Let me ask you because what made me think of that question is, and this podcast is not to throw any denomination, religion, or person any slander whatsoever. Correct. But you did say that we've had Bible studies with people that are not of our religion, of our denomination, Correct. of our background, that does not believe that that is still. Mm-hmm relevant today. Mm-hmm. What do you tell those people? Well, what I tell them in a Bible study is probably different than what I'm going to tell you here on this podcast, because I'm not going to be politically rec- correct on the podcast. In the, the one-on-one Bible study, I'll, I, there's a better way to frame it. In my opinion, whenever you come to just the sake of bluntness, and I'll give you my blunt answer, and then I'll give you my politically correct answer. <laughs> my blunt answer is this is that, and, and I'm a definition guy, I like to go back to, well, what does the definition of a word actually mean? When you go back to the original understanding of what the church was, the original church, spiritual giftings were in operation in the church. Anything that doesn't have those spiritual giftings has been removed from the original I think that it's critical in the 21st century we be as much like the first century church as we can possibly be. And so if the spiritual giftings were in operation in that church, who am I to say that our church today doesn't need them? Because Mm -hmm. Jesus thought back then when he was discipling his disciples, they needed to be connected to something. That way when the Holy Ghost infilled them in Acts chapter number 2, they would be connected to a spiritual source and have enough understanding that the apostles can hear from God and gain direction on how to use the spiritual giftings that God's Spirit was putting in them. I don't believe you can be a church in the true sense of the word without the Spirit of God in it and the Spirit of God automatically is going to bring giftings into the church. And so what would I say as kind of the politically correct answer? Um, again, I guess I would kind of have to hear the question asked to me of, well, do you believe that we can be a church without spiritual giftings? Would that that's be correct. it? Yeah, that's, that's correct. I would say, why would you want to be a church without them? Because here, here's one thing, and this is a, a, another thing that's just kind of a hot topic for me, kind of a soapbox thing for me, is I don't think, and I, and I, I apologize to anyone that's from another denomination, uh, and we're thankful that you're on this podcast, and hopefully this just uh, causes you to have a conversation. Uh, but to me, I don't think, and speaking to apostolics that are listening, I don't think we should always be on the back pedal about everything. Why are we always the one under pressure of, well, why do you guys live in this archaic way when you go to holiness standards and all these different things? We're not the bad guys. We're not the bad guys. We're trying to be like what the Book of Acts church was, as close as we can possibly be. And so I don't think the the burden of proof on on doctrine should be on the apostolic church. That's right. I think that sometimes those questions that are asked to us, there's an easy way to turn them back around. 
and, and this get down the weeds, but even do, uh, things like the baptism of Jesus. There, there's a way, and we'll say this for another podcast, there's a way that whenever we're asked about, well, how do you believe in one God? We'll look at the baptism of Jesus. There are questions you can ask in that that puts the pressure back on the person that doesn't believe in the oneness of God. Right. You just got to be prepared for it, and we'll go into it on another podcast. I want Brother Aiden to speak on this, though. Well, to be honest with you, if someone asked me that I am going to tell them and I'm going to tell them kindly, but I'm going to tell them right. that in the in the end, it does not matter what I think, what you think, or what any other preacher thinks. It matters what the Bible says, and the Bible says that this is still for the church, the New Testament church. It never gives any place where it stopped, and if if a person claims to be a part of the church that was established by Jesus Christ, then the gifts of the Spirit is for that church. And so that's where that's where I would put it. He answered that much kinder than I did. <laughs> Brother Aiden, I want to shift just a we're not gonna switch topics here, but I want to shift in a different direction here. My mother in law was a part of your prayer class and she spoke she speaks to this day about how impactful that was. I want you to share not only with our listeners, but with me and Brian both who are not attending in that class, the importance of a prayer. I'm glad you brought this up because this is something I really wanted to talk with him about. Brother Aiton, uh, I'm sorry to jump in here, but he's such a unique individual and that you really have to see him as he's operated, operating as God's using him. He's a man that not only when he preaches, preaches with authority, but ministers in in prayer with such a, a powerful authority. And it's something that me as an observer sees, and, and I can't help but think, I wish I could be more like that. Oh, man. And that's why I'm, I'm excited that, Tony, you brought this up now, uh, and I'm going to sit back and listen, and I'm going to learn. Okay, well... Prayer is how things get done in the kingdom of God. Um, the actions that we we take in, in kingdom work around here they're they're vitally important, but they but the there has to be a foundation of prayer for these things. Now, when it comes to prayer, I uh, I will basically I, I don't have too many principles on it, but I do have this. I look at what Jesus has to say about prayer. We find that in the Our Father or the Lord's Prayer, whatever you want to call it, that His kingdom is first. But then He also He talks about um, that while you're standing praying, if you have uh if you need to forgive someone, you forgive them. And so I've, I try to apply these principles uh, to, to my life. And the, the main thing, the consistent thing that I see from the Word of God about prayer is persistence. Persistence. Now, persistence doesn't mean you're begging. But 
the Bible teaches us that we can come boldly before the throne. Jesus says in Luke 11 that if there's a man that comes to you in the middle of the night and he's saying, look, I got a visitor that comes and we need some bread. He says, do you think that you're going to get this? Uh, he's going to give him the bread because he's his friend? No, but by because of his impudence or his persistence, he's going to get this. And he said, so I say now to you, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. For whosoever asketh, that E-T-H is on there. And with the King James, that's, that's durative. That means you do it and you keep on doing it. For whosoever asketh, receiveth. And him that seeketh, findeth. Him that knocketh, that means you're, you're knocking and you're keeping on. It's going to be open to you. We find in Luke 17 that there was a parable given for the widow and the unjust judge. This man had no fear for God or regard for man. And uh, the, basically, she just kept coming back to him and said, avenge me of my adversary. And Jesus said, hear what that unjust judge said. And what he said was, man, she just keeps on coming to me, so I'm going to give her what she wants. And so we find that theme again. We find in the ministry of Jesus, we find the Syrophoenician woman, she if you have to look at both the places where this is at, you get the complete story, but she keeps pressing at him. She keeps on and on and on and finally gets him to stop. We find with blind Bartimaeus, he is getting the pressure put on him. Stop, quit yelling, you know, and, and, and the Bible says that he just kept on the more. And so we find this consistent theme of persistence, and so, to me, the, the main keys to prayer is for that you got to believe. you got to believe that God is hearing you. you got to have faith that he's hearing you. You need to put his kingdom first about what you're praying about, and that includes your family. You know, what's more kingdom-minded than seeing the spiritual uh, welfare of the people that matter most to you, you know, I taught in that class that I, I, my son at the time, and still now, financially makes more money than me, but I don't pray anything concerning that. I pray about his spiritual well-being. And I've seen with you guys that if y'all put God first, God takes care of those things. And so praying kingdom-minded prayers and, and persistently coming back uh, time and time and time again. The Bible says, for without faith, it's impossible to please God. And hear this, he's about to qualify. Four, he that comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. Seek him. He equates faith with people that will just keep on and keep on and keep on and keep on. Brother Aiden, I want to pause right here, and I'm going to stand in for that person that's listening right now and ask their question, I'm burnt out on praying that prayer. What do I do? Well, what I do 
is I get back in the Word. And I'm not saying that you've automatically just been out of the Word, but this is what I have to do. As I get in that Word and I see it again, I read it afresh, that if I will just keep on, that if I will not be weary and well-doing, I'm going to reap if I will not faint. And so I take that Word and I stand on that Word and I bring it before mm. God and then I do it again. If I have to, if I'm frustrated, I'll stomp my foot. I'll do whatever i got to do. But I'm going to bring, I'm going to keep on bringing it before God. And there are times, yes, where it's like, God, and, 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 and I'll weep and I'll cry before him over situations, and then I will get a breakthrough in it. But that's, that's what I have to do. There are times, man, and you just don't feel like it, but there are times you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you remember that mm. you are the head of this house, you know, because for me, man, I'm going to pray over the city. I'm going to pray over my brothers and sisters of the Lord, but you better believe it. I'm going to pray over my family. I'm going to pray over those that I love the most, and I'm going to remember I'm the man of this house, and I may not be seeing exactly what I want to see as of right now and a family member or whatever, but God has called me to pray for them, and I'm going to pray, and I'm going to keep on. I'm going to be dogged about it, and I'm not going to give up. So I encourage someone, get in that word, read it again where it says that if you keep on asking, you're going to receive it. If you keep on knocking, it's going to be opened. If you're praying a kingdom-minded prayer, a thing that you know is the will of God, like I haven't got to question whether or not it's the will of God if my family be saved. I haven't got to question that when you're dealing with something that you know is the will of God, you just keep on and keep on. And when you get tired, getting that word and then just keep on again. Is the key to that all go back to what you said about make sure it's a kingdom-minded prayer? Yes. Yes. I, I, I try. For me, most every prayer I will pray I will be a kingdom-minded prayer. I do have scripture in Philippians about bringing requests before God and things. But for the most part, I'm seeing kingdom-minded. And, and I feel like that in the lives, say, of y'all and, and other people that I see, that if I will keep the kingdom focus in my prayers, then the others, uh, things will come to pass. Wow, that's, that is a... That is almost convicting for myself because there's so many times in my prayer life that I have given up. And, you know, it's not always been the reason I've given up is because it's not been kingdom-minded, but it's because it was almost as a want and not a need. Can you help us decipher a prayer between a want and a need. Well, let me, let me let me tell you why I say that. Is we had, um, I believe it was Pastor this morning that preached, and he was saying God's going to answer your need. 
That always doesn't mean you're want. I mean, I, I'm wanting right now a million dollars in that bank account, but <laughs> I don't need a million dollars. I think I need a million dollars. <laughs> but can you help us make that, that difference here? Okay. Um, well, I, I know that we have to, we have to make a, a basic living. I, I will just be quite honest with you. Um, I don't pray about uh, riches. I don't pray about a million dollars. It's just, it's just not there. I pray that if if it's the Lord's will, then um, God, you honor if you honor my hard work, then allow me to get promotions to where I can um, be blessed more financially. But I also have to balance that and understand that. A lot of times that also requires more time. And I'm called by God to, to reach souls. And, and so I have to be mindful of these things. But um, the difference between a want and a need is, you know, well, it's kind of hard to say, but, you know, I don't have to have the most expensive of, of, I don't have to have the most expensive brand new vehicles. I don't have to have those types of things. Again, I keep my focus on kingdom type stuff. When it comes to to a house, you know, I have a. I looked at what the median house was in Jonesboro, so it was in the middle, and I knew what area I wanted because my daughter for schooling. And so I got a house that's just the median. I, and so I pray about those things. Um, Let me ask you one thing, Brother Aiden. Does God bless a non-kingdom-minded prayer? Does he honor that? I think that if a person is kingdom-minded and... There, there is. If a person is truly kingdom-minded, and there's something that that person would like to have, and if God knows that that's not going to come between them and God, then yes, I think He will. I, I think He He said He will supply all of our need. He didn't say all of our wants, but He did say all of our need. But I think that also that that God rewards faithfulness. And there are times he'll give us wants as well. But I I put those things into the hand of God because he knows what will affect me and what will not. And that becomes a matter of trust to him. Wow. And so the key to prayer life with God is persistency, continuing praying whenever you feel like giving up, you keep on praying, you don't surrender. And the key to all prayer is to make sure that you have a kingdom mind. Yes. That's what I, that's what I take away from that. Yes. Brother Aiden, I'm sorry, Brian, yeah, ahead, I didn't interrupt you. Um, what does having, I'm not going to say a prayer life, but a real prayer life, what does that do when adversity comes? What does that do to the enemy? Okay, well, 
it, uh, for one thing, it what it does to the enemy, it the enemy doesn't like it, so the enemy would like to try to stop it. But there's no reason to fear with that because when, when you are persisting in prayer, you're growing in faith. When you're doing it the biblical way, you believe the things that you're praying about. You shall have them, Jesus says. And you persistently pray. And, and as God answers prayers and as God moves, your faith, your faith is being built. And so it, it definitely uh, disturbs the enemy. He doesn't like it, but I, I want the enemy disturbed. And you know, um, he would love for us to be in fear oh don't go go far with God because then he's gonna uh, try to attack you I the enemy wants nothing more than to destroy our lives I, I, I don't I don't buy into well if I'll just not uh, touch his turf that he'll leave me alone no through my not touching his turf he's there's going to be a nonchalantness put into my children about the kingdom of God and I will in essence destroy myself so no the enemy wants uh, the enemy's not going to just leave you alone he's going to come after our families he wants to see us nothing more than see us writhing in pain he wants to see us go to hell he 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 wants nothing more to that that pastor talked about the other day about taking a child that had been raised in church and when they're not serving God, parading them around. It's a trophy to them. You know, he's going, he's going to do that. Um, he's coming after whether we like it or not. And so I believe in just going on ahead and being on the offense and just and coming after because he's coming after it whether we see it or not. That's right. You know, and, and I want to encourage you, Brother Tony, uh, you've got a child right now. If I... If I, I wished I had somebody telling me this when my children were as small as yours, I'd go ahead and start praying over them every day, pray about every their day. future every day, pray against the work of the devil in their life every day. I mean just just bombard heaven with prayers for that baby. Bombard heaven with prayers for your family every day and do it, do it in advance. Don't wait for the enemy to try to, destroy before you get started you go on ahead and you make up your mind this is the best thing I could ever do for my family and I'm going to do it now so we talk about the enemy and we've talked about what the enemy is after and what I'm thinking of is it makes me go to the, the thoughts about spiritual warfare and that Brother Aiden I'd like for you to touch on which you've already been doing but just really nail down for our listeners out there what does it, first of all, to fight against in, in, in spiritual warfare, you do not have to know who your enemy is. That's right. And, and you have to know we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, mm-hmm. but they're spirits. So you have to know what spirits we're wrestling against, and you have to know what your weapons are in spiritual warfare. And so, Brother Aiden, I'd like to, to give you the floor for a moment to talk to us about spiritual warfare, how you wage a, a, an effective spiritual attack against the enemy. All right. Well, first of all, I want to say that 
a lot of times, whether we understand it or not, we're in a spiritual warfare every day. The Bible says that for though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. And so um, the enemy wants to take take our minds. And I just want to talk briefly about what this stronghold is because this is important. A stronghold is a thought, a way of thinking that the enemy can build a fortress in your mind and say, all right, this is ours. God's got these other parts, but this is ours and we're not going to give it up. And so the way that we fight is going to be uh, following our example of Jesus. Jesus walked this life with the mind of God. All right? He walks this life with the mind of God, and when situations come, he's already got the mind of God and the understanding of what God wants and what he's doing. And so the way we get the mind of God is that it's going to be prayer and the word because things are going to happen. They're going to try to come into our lives, offenses, different things. And the enemy would love nothing more than to take what happens and begin to build a fortress in our minds. And, and so what we have to do is we have to arm ourselves with the thinking of God. We're praying. We're doing these, these things. We're praying. We're fasting from time to time, however that is between you and the Lord. But we're keeping ourselves in the Word of God to have His mindset. Say, for instance, I, I talked about this a couple of months ago, but I don't know that if I don't keep before me that for them with the degree that I give mercy, I'm going to have mercy given to me. If that's not kept before me in my thinking, then when an offense comes, it's going to be much easier for that to wrap around my mind and allow it to begin to control my thinking. And before I know it, a fortress is built into my mind. And so... Um, so we need to, the way we wage spiritual warfare on a daily basis is going to be keeping the mind of God. That's why they talked about in the New Testament, because they dealt with persecutions. They dealt with hardships of life. They dealt with all of these things, people doing them wrong. They had to deal with all this. That's why Paul and Peter and all of them constantly addressed the, your attitude toward this, understand that God is working for you a, a far more exceeding eternal weight of glory while we're not looking at the things that are seen, but we're looking at the things that are not seen. Or we know that all things work together for good to those who are the called 
you know, that love God and are called according to his purpose. And so we have to keep this mindset so that offenses and things of our everyday life do not um, get into our lives and do not build a fortress in our life. Also, it helps us to keep old fortresses from being resurrected. All right? You see, when a person... When a person is born again, all right, you have, they're buried with him in baptism, all right, dead and buried with him in baptism, but they're wanting, that, that flesh is wanting to resurrect. That flesh is wanting to resurrect, and there's demons that would love to help it yeah. to resurrect, but what's going on is, is that we have, we have the choice if we're filled with the Holy Ghost into whether or not that happens. And so and so it's much the same way with a stronghold, an old stronghold that was in your life that the power of God tore down. The enemy would love to creep in there, take some of that old, them old bricks or stone or whatever and try to rebuild that. And so we have to, because of daily offenses, daily life, pressure, struggles, and so winning at spiritual warfare in your daily life means keeping the thinking of God and the Spirit of God active and working so in when our you're, life. So when you're reborn into a, new, um, into a new world of Christianity, mm-hmm. it is best as Christians to a, find new friends. Yes. Put, put what we know we struggle with behind us. What you you were talking about when you were addicted to your um, your cigarettes and your cocaine, was there a time um, through all of that that something broke that said no more and it, it was gone? Um, I know you said you, you just put your foot down and you said, you know, that's it. I don't want no more. How do you get to that point? Because that's constantly a fight with spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. How do you get to that point where enough is enough? Well, I'm going to be honest with you. This, it was a God thing for me. It was a, a miraculous intervention for me. And I understand that it's, it has not been that way with other people. But the people that that it did not go that way for, but overcame, they did it by just keeping on coming to church every time the doors were open, keeping your fr- keeping your friends in, in the church, changing your whole social network because there's power in the Word of God going forth. There's power when you come into war- uh, corporate worship and, and prayer and praise. There's, there's power in these things, there's, you know, you, you just never know who's been interceding over that service. You never know what, you know, what person has broke through in the spirit for things to happen in that service. You just never know. And so when you come and you're exposed to the preaching of the word of God, uh, there's power in that, in the spirit in that. And so from what I've seen with people where things just wasn't automatic 
is they just kept coming back. And then there came a day where that was it. Mm. And God took it for them. To the phrase that you hear, I don't need to come to church to be spiritual, what do you say? I, I don't believe that. I believe that every able body ought to come to church. God set his church up to where we were supposed to be together. When we talked earlier about the gifts of the Spirit, it's, it's for the body, edification of the body, the body edifying the body. And so it was set up from the very beginning that they, they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in breaking bread and prayers. And they were going from household to household. They were constantly around each other. The Bible says in Hebrews, and it's a very famous scripture, but to me it really comes home when you look at the context. These people under are under hard circumstances. They're looking at the possibility, well, it might just be easier to go back to Judaism versus stay in Christianity. And then when he finally starts talking to them, he starts naming the things that are important. We start drawing we draw uh, close to him with a pure conscience and an assurance of faith, having our bodies washed with pure water. And he talks about uh, stirring one another up uh, to love and good works, but he says, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together right. as the manner of some is, but so much the more as you see the day approaching. The enemy is low down. The enemy wants to take the hurting, wants to take the weak. He wants to get the person isolated. And then once they're isolated and to themselves, then it'll go in for the kill. And so when you don't come to the house of God, you're setting yourself up for spiritual failure. You're setting yourself up. And so to me, for an able-bodied person, I think it's impossible to be a spiritual person and you have the ability to come to the house of God and you don't. I want to throw you one more fastball. Brian might have a couple more questions. I want to I want to end my questions with you with a very simple question. <clears throat> what do you say when you hear the phrase the church is no good is full of hypocrites? Debunk that statement for me. Well, No good. There's the church is is very good. Is the church perfect? No. It's it's people. People are not perfect. Um, and hypocrite. A hypocrite was a a Greek actor. So it's just a, that's what they <laughs> yeah. that's what that's what they were. Yeah. You know. That's and that's why I use the term. It's just a, a fake an actor. And I promise you, all you got to do is come around the church, and you're going to see some very real people. And so. I would, depending on who the the person is, I would, and if I know them well and I can speak into their life, I will encourage them that that's just a lie. It's not full of hypocrites. There may be, you know, someone that is struggling or there may actually be the hypocrite, but it's not full of hypocrites. That's That's just a lie from the enemy to keep you from being where you need to be.
So we've talked a lot about uh, spiritual warfare, spiritual giftings, prayer. I wonder if you can tell us a testimony tonight about a time that maybe not everybody knows about, but a time that you had to really face something, that you really had to go to the floor and pray about, or something that you just couldn't get over on your own and you needed the church to be there. Can you tell us a personal testimony of all these things, how they work together to, to bring you to the place that you're at today? Well, there was a time in my life and in my family's life where the enemy was just working overtime and we were just in a really bad way. Our, our whole our whole family was. You know, we were we were all struggling to a degree. And it brought a sense of desperation. And and I remember I remember there being a man he didn't know me from Adam, but he was he was a spirit-filled man. And he came up to me, and God used him to speak life and to speak health into me, to speak encouragement into me, because at that time I needed so much encouragement. That time brought me to a sense of desperation, that knowing that, I had something, something had to be done or there was no telling where this was going to wind up. And so it brought me to a place of, uh, of prayer and fasting. Um, and I'm only saying this just, just for someone that may be in a circumstance where they just, they're desperate. And for about three years, I fasted on an average of three days a week, and I and I took every spare moment that I could get, and I spent in prayer. There's no telling how many times, because it was all the time, every day. I was bringing my family before God, and so through the love of the church at that time helping us um, and through through the power of God and through desperation and, 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 and prayer and fasting, God began to work miracles and we began to see things and, and, and God began to turn situations around. But, but God used all those different avenues, the people of God loving us uh, praying, praying for us, uh, weeping and crying over us. He used the avenues of prayer and fasting. And uh, he used all of these things. Words began to get spoken to our lives by other people. And, and God, God brought about a miracle, many miracles for our family during that desperate time. So, whenever um, 
uh, every every day I check our uh, viewership on Podbean, which is listenership. <laughs> what did I say? Oh, viewership. <laughs> I said viewership. Yeah, I check our listenership on Podbean, which is the platform that sends our podcast out to the different uh, different uh, platforms. And so I watch all the statistics as well as I do on Facebook. I follow our social media and kind of see what we have going on there because I'm looking for where there's different trends. And one of the trends that that is certainly on our Facebook is our highest followership at at this current time is in the age group of 25 to 34 years old. Now, that is not the majority of our listeners, but the rest is all spread out from that north age group of 34. And so I bring this this up to ask you a question, Brother Aiden. You've been ministering for how many years? 19. 19 years. You're a man with 19 years worth of ministry experience. You've probably seen a lot of people come and go. You've probably seen a lot of people that really their ministry kind of caught on fire and probably fizzled out. You've seen some people that had a slow start and now we're going stronger than they could have ever dreamed that was possible. I'd like to ask you, Brother Aiden, to to speak a word of encouragement, uh, of maybe even direction for a person that's in that. I'll take myself for an example. A young man who's such as myself at 27 years old, that has just begun to really get his foot in the door of ministry, what would you say to me and to my age group is something that we desperately need, especially in the context of ministering in the generation we're living in? What does my generation, what can I do, Brother Aiden, to be effective? Well, First of all, there needs to be a love for God and a love for people. I I would encourage anyone and everyone to pray and to fast about getting God's heartbeat for people. Um, Because God will work through a person that loves people. He needs his people to love other people, to truly and genuinely love them, to be moved by their circumstances. Um, Can I pause real quick and ask you something? Sure. What does it mean to love God? To love God, it means... That well, there's a lot of things that says that you to love God, and it boils down to if you're going to love God, you're going to do what He says. That's that's loving God, and you're also going to love people. That First uh, John says it time and time again. This is how we know we we love God. We. Uh, when we keep his commandments, this is how we know we love him. When we also love the people of God, this is and he goes even further. Says this is how we know when we love the love the people of God is when we keep God's commandments. And so, so to love God involves doing what He says. Um, does that mean a person will be perfect? Rather, of course not. But it says if you will continue in my word, indeed. 
you'll be my disciples. And so uh, that, that, that's involved with, with loving God. But um, I would also say uh, back to your question, Brian, what you wanted me to speak about. So to love people and in loving God, pursuing intimacy with him, there are things that, that are only going to get done by an intimacy with God. When, you, when a person is intimate and with God and sensitive to the Holy Ghost, he will create divine moments that you will be able to minister effectively in the generation. Um, and those are going to be the main things, is that truly loving people, developing a love for people, and developing an intimate relationship with God because with that comes the power of God, the things that we, we, that we can never do on our own. His power will work through us and minister to the needs of people. Um, you've got your iPad open in front of you. I'm wondering, it, it's got a lot of writing in it. Is, is there something in that that you want to bring out to us? Anything that, that maybe you've taken a note on that we, that, didn't that we didn't ask? Well, in honesty, what I have here is some scripture for uh, spiritual warfare, and it's in Ephesians 6. And it, um, and it deals with being strong in the Lord, the power of his might, putting on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers, of the darkness of this age against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Stand, therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith with which you will be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. Brother Aiden, let me ask you a question. This is a very personal question. <clears throat> uh, you, it's very obvious you deal with the, in the gifts of the Spirit. Very evident and if you have never met Brother Aiton, you can go to any of our POJ Facebook videos and you can see him leading worship from not behind the pulpit, but from the front row. I want to ask you a very, very personal question. Have you ever cast a demon out of a person? I have commanded demons come off of people and they have come off of people yes um, to say a devil possessed person where they were 
foaming at the mouth and all that. No. But with the people of God, a person doesn't have to be possessed of a devil to have a to have a spirit that can be physically on them. Um, I'm going to say, I'm just going to be quite honest, just to give a case in point here. A couple weeks ago, my wife is in great transition with her job to get to a place where she can have much more time for the kingdom. But took passing these tests, and she came to me uh, when she's supposed to be in study. She's like, she was just weak and she was just feeling horrible and bad. And by that afternoon, she couldn't hardly speak at all. And she said something, and all of a sudden it clicked. I was like, I remember this exact same thing happening. And I had her pray over me, and I felt the physical manifestation of a spirit come off of me, and I, I felt better as soon as that happened. And so I said, baby, I said, if this is what I think this is, you're about to feel better right now. And I said, I command you in the name of Jesus Christ to come off the top of my wife now. Woo! And she felt it lift up off of her. And so those have been my types of experiences. Um, I haven't dealt with the foaming of the mouth type thing. Uh, you know, people that are actually possessed by the devil. But I mm. promise you, I promise you that things like that happen in the kingdom of God with the people of God. They're real. All the time. And by the grace of God, we need to be sensitive to these things and understand that these things are very real. Very real. I'll never forget being in a deep set for it was about two days. I mean, I couldn't understand why I was just in such a horrible, depressive mood. I, I mean, I was just like, I couldn't understand it. Then all of a sudden it clicked in my spirit. Pray, pray against the demon. And I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, if there's a spirit that's on me that's causing this, I command you to leave. And all of a sudden I felt better. It was gone. Because these things are very real. Very real. No. Have you ever had a, an experience with, with angels? The closest to an angel I've had, because to be honest, I've, the Lord's made where I've seen demons on multiple occasions and dealt with that. But I remember I was... I was on a fast and I was praying, God, I want to see an angel. God, I <laughs> want to see an angel. You need to be careful angel. when you're fasting what you're asking for because it's going to happen. Well, <laughs> you see, that's the thing. I want that. I I want that, man. I be I. To me, I, I love the kingdom and I understand this is real and, and I just want to experience these things and I'll never forget. God, I want to see an angel. And as of yet, he didn't, but that, all of a sudden, I felt hands come on my shoulders. And them hands were placed upon my shoulders. And I knew the angel of the Lord was right there with me. Chill bumps. 
Oh, praise God. <laughs> Man, I had to ask about angelic experiences because the thing is, just about everybody's had an encounter with a devil. Just about everybody's got a good devil story. I know whenever I was growing up, one time we were, I was with some youth. We were just left, got done with a church function, and we started t- swapping demon stories about people who'd seen demons and and people that their mom and dad saw a demon crawl out from another RV. And and a man on the way home, I saw a devil every around every corner. <laughs> I I saw a cat walking across the road, and I thought it was a devil. And you know the thing is, is again, a lot of people they have a lot of experiences with the devils. But you know it's interesting that whenever Satan fell from heaven, he took one third with him. Mm-hmm. That means there's two thirds out there. Means you've got twice the odds of seeing something good than you do of seeing something bad. Yes. So in my opinion, I think the reason why so many people see the bad in things is because it just gets our attention. I think that there are angelic encounters that people have mm-hmm. that we sometimes we just take them for granted. Mm-hmm. Or as the scripture says, how we entertain angels unaware. I think point. that they are there. And so if you are an individual that's listening in and you feel demonic oppression or you feel as though that you are under attack by the enemy, you've got twice the odds of overcoming because of what is fighting on your side than you have of being defeated. You may not see the hand of God working. You may not feel the brush of the angel's wings, and you may just only feel the fires of hell. But if you can but believe, believe. and you can just hold on, if you can get connected into a church, you've got twice the odds of making it through than you do being overcome. Amen. That's awesome. That's well put, brother. Do you agree, Brother Aiden? I do you totally agree, Tony? Agree. I've got chill bumps from this whole encounter right Amen. here. Amen. Brother Aiden, do you, is there anything specific you're reading right now you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, any recommended reading? Um, I recommend, there's a book, it's called The Life and Ministry of Billy and Shirley Cole. That's just a fantastic read. Um, I do recommend for the uh, topic of spiritual warfare, I recommend you can find on uh, a place called Apostolic Iron. There's a man named Bishop Chester Wright, and he has put on mighty man conferences called a war. He's out of Maryland, correct? Yes. Antioch. Yes. And uh, so I recommend you can you can learn all kinds of things uh, from from this man in regards to prayer, spiritual warfare. Um, and so uh, that and just, just getting in the Word, the Word of God, Bible, Life and Ministry of Billy and Shirley Cole, and Call to War, those, those three things right there, you can learn a whole lot about prayer and spiritual warfare. Brother Aiden, we want to give you um, a chance for a final word, final thought. Um, give somebody encouragement real quick. We're about to wrap up here, but we're going to give you that opportunity for a final thought. 
I want to encourage anyone out there that may be in a dire situation that it looks so bleak. I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to pray and just be desperate before God. I, I do whatever, do whatever it takes. If you can, if you can fast, I encourage you to fast. If you can pray a certain amount of time, I encourage you to do it. But in your desperation, you will find that if you will persist, that God will come to your rescue. If you're battling and you just don't even feel, if you feel too weak to pray, if you could just pray that God would lay you on the heart of some intercessors across this world, mm. then do that. But there is no situation that is so dire that God can't step in and intervene in. And I want to encourage you in that. Brother Aiden, it's been a true honor and a true privilege for Brian and I to sit down and have this conversation with you. Um, for everybody out there, make sure that you like our podcast, share our podcast. You never know who this is going to touch, Brian. We've had so right. many people contact us saying, um, your podcast is encouraging. You're, you've given me closure. And Brian and I, we don't take that lightly, do we, Brian? No, sir. Um, but we appreciate all the awesome feedback we're getting. Um, you can find us on Podbean, Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher. Um, if there's anything Brian and I can do for you, let us know. We'll have our email in the comments. Brother Aiton, thank you so much, man. Thank we you. greatly appreciate it. It's been a privilege. Brother Aiton, thank you. Tony, couldn't do it without you. And to our listeners, you've been listening to The Crucial Conversation.